passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hold on. I'm going to blow my nose. Okay. Oh, sounded good. Uh, never does much. Yeah, I've never been a good nose blower. Me neither. Have you ever been actually taught how to blow your nose? No, it's funny you say because I can remember being young and like my mom would tell me to blow my nose. And I think I literally said to her, "You know, nobody ever taught me how to do it. So how do you do it now? So the way I figured out I could get the most pressure is like, I'll usually like hold one nostril closed. Right. And blow really hard and then do the other side. You know, and then usually I just stick a, I like, you know, stick a tissue way up there and, <laughs> you know, twist it around and pull it out. And it well, looks like a snow cone. How do we cone. find out what the proper way is? Because I sometimes do one close. Sometimes I go back and forth. I blow and I just go back and forth really fast, rapid style. Yeah. But sometimes if the snot's a certain way up there, you want to blow more relaxed and not so hard and it's much more effective. So I don't know what the right way is. Yeah, I, I've definitely seen people that are like really good at it, like strangers that have walked by and I look at that guy as he's doing it. And it's like, wow, he is really good. All right. Well, what's up, Knicks fans? It is a hard Knicks life. We are available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. And you can catch us on Dash Radio on the Nothing But Net channel every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. It is a hard Knicks life. This is season two. Episode 19. Can I do that again? Yeah, you can do it all you want, Barry, but I'm going to play all your bad takes. <laughs> on this, it's a hard Knicks life. Zonia picks off the bad pass. Zonia drives it. Middleton and finishes. And then stares and walks over into the football and taught there from Mario Zonia waves up in the crowd. There's a varying degree to be walking over somebody or staring down at them and slowing down your walk as you do it. Good. It's about fucking time the Knicks were able to do something like that. I'm nervous about Frank Perry. I don't even, I can't even put it into words I'm so nervous about Frank. You remember when you used to play uh, Super Mario Brothers and you'd hold down the B button and you would get that burst of speed? We see that burst of speed from Trey Burke from Emmanuel Moutier. It's like Frank Nilakina's got no B button. Some rumors out there, some think that the New York Post is stockpiling their writers right now. They're looking to make a move. That's right, they're looking to move Mark Berman. What's up, Barry motherfucking D? Easy. What's up, Barry motherfucker? Relax. What is happening, my man? Chill out. <laughs> I was not ready for that. What's <laughs> up, Craig? I'm sorry. Let me tone it down a little bit. 
What's up, Barry? What's going on, Craig? How you doing? Fine. It's a hard Nick's life. All right. Uh, up a couple more notches. Man. It's a hard Nick's life, Barry. It's great to be back. Where were we? I don't know. I can't get... I'm, and I'm still not at the right level here, but... We'll figure it out. Yeah, you'll find your groove. How are you, sir? Doing well. Happy Hanukkah, and happy Hanukkah to everyone celebrating. Happy fucking Hanukkah, guys! And girls, most people don't celebrate Hanukkah, so they don't care. <laughs> but we're in, like, the third night of presents, right? Three wild nights so far. Three crazy nights. My son, after the first night, said to me, we did the first night of presents, and then... Later on, when I was putting them into bed, uh, just to remind him, I was like, just so you know, we do this for the next eight nights over and over again. And he was like, what? We do? <laughs> I was like, dude, yes. Did he didn't remember? He didn't remember he was, like, blown that it was away. for eight nights. So he got so excited. Yeah, eight nights is like Ugh. a lot of nights for a young It's also a lot of fucking presents to buy. But, um, and then he was like, well, why can't we do it every night after that? Like eight nights wasn't enough. Kind of ruined the whole joy. It took the, all the joy out of me when he said that. Maybe I could make you a little bit more joyous. <laughs> what are you doing the eighth night of Hanukkah, which I believe is sun, is Sunday night? Well, giving out um, presents number 15 and 16. How'd you like to go to the Knicks game? I got an extra ticket, my friend. You do? Yeah. Yeah, they're playing Charlotte at the Garden. It's a 7.30 game on a Sunday night. Hold on. Let me text my wife. She's upstairs. I think I would want to go. You should wait. Oh, you sure you don't want to? Last time you got tickets, you chose your wife. No, 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 no. My wife bought tickets for me. For you and took me to the game. You're, no, your wife. Your your wife. Your wife. Your wife gave you two tickets for your birthday, and you chose eh. to give. Do I need to play the clips back? It's it's no you don't need to play the clips back. It's semantics. She she took me to the game. All right, it's a, okay. with two tickets. I don't know. She she didn't physically give me two tickets to do with what I want. But she's cool with you bringing me to this game. Where'd you get these tickets? Yeah. Uh, I have a contact at the Garden because I like looked into some ticket packages earlier in the year, uh -huh. and every once in a while he calls me up, see what's going on, feels me out, and he wants to host me at a game for a night. So uh, two tickets. I have no idea where the seats are. I mean, for all I know, we could be watching a television screen in like a lounge in the garden. I have no idea. No. But, um, but he wants you to. I, I doubt he wants that. you to buy tickets. Yeah, I guess he wants me to buy tickets. It's very, it was very non-pressured last time um, when I went to the garden to meet with somebody, and uh, I assume it'll be the same way this time. And uh, yeah, so we'll check it out. We'll see what he has to say, and we'll watch the game. If he puts us in some shit seats, can't we just be like, I don't know if we're going to buy tickets. Uh, I, I, I plan on <laughs> trying to work our way to some better seats, regardless of where he puts us. Yeah, you, we could be, you could be like, is this... Um, so if we're interested in buying tickets, we wouldn't want to sit all the way up here. Um, right. We, is there any way we could get a view of what it would be like uh, down yeah, there? Yeah, I'm curious like, if from that seat... Yeah, from yeah. that seat down there, can I see the sweat beads right. on... Uh, <laughs> on Vonley's shoulder. Like how much exactly are those seats right on the floor next to all the celebrities? Or... Yeah, and, and don't tell me you can't take me down there because I'm looking on Ticketmaster right now and those seats aren't even sold. So sit us in those two seats. What's the difference? Yeah. My wife says I can go. I'll give them the presents before I leave. Perfect. So Barry, the last show, how, how's your energy tonight? Some are saying that you were a little, uh, you needed to wake up in the last show. Some are saying that. Some are saying some are saying some are saying you were a uh, little lazy <laughs> lazy mm -hmm. no I, I was i was just very tired to be honest with you uh last show i didn't know it came across that way but that is true but uh no i feel good 
I feel great. Let's let's do this thing. Some say, some say, you know, you're a big boy, but you're capable of getting closer to the basket, and you need to wake up a little. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm ah. sorry. That was not about you. That this is. Uh, I apologize. About Kevin Knox. That is the Mark Berman article in the Post this week about Kevin Knox and Frank Nilakina. Right. I believe the words were soft. Soft, lazy, weak. Right. Looking for his shot right away in reference to Knox. There was a quote saying that they will not amount to anything, one particular scout said. Yeah, an, an Atlantic division scout, according to Berman, said of Nilakina, they gave him enough chances. The kid is very unaggressive and soft. No instincts to play point guard. <laughs> he can make the pocket pass if it's there, but sometimes it's stolen. He's playing horribly. I actually feel bad for the kid. This was a scathing review of our two most recent lottery picks, Barry. Yeah. I mean, I can't... I don't know. I, how hard can I be on the guy? I, I said, I think, a couple of weeks ago that Kevin Knox is playing like shit was the words I said. I didn't write him off like this article, you know, sort of does um, in a big way, but uh, but I definitely came down on him as well. Yeah, we said he was playing like shit because he was playing like shit. Right. But did Knox respond against Milwaukee? Oof. Oof. He sure did. Yeah, his, his best game by far. His best game. Finished 9 of 20 from the field. 26 points, 4 assists, 4 boards. Knocked down 5 threes that game. Before we get to him, how about that Hazonia dunk on Giannis? Hazonia picks off the bad pass. Hazonia drives it. Middleton and finishes! And then stares and walks over into the Kupo. A top there from... Mario Hazonia waves out in the crowd. We have a Hazonia moment here at the Garden. Provocative moment that time. But bigger than that dunk, Barry, that ball straddling of Giannis while he was down on the ground by Super Mario with the super straddle. Did you just say ball straddling? Ball straddling, yeah. He was standing over him. <laughs> well, that's generally where your balls tend to be if you're standing over someone, right? Right, so I'm calling it ball straddling. Is that not okay? It's the weirdest thing thing I've ever heard. <laughs> well, what would you call it? Never heard that. You've never heard that term? It sounds like an Olympic event. The ball straddle? <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you call that when you stand over someone like that? Um, it's a sign of domination. And as others see it, disrespect. And disrespect. But I loved it. It was disrespect in a good way. Something the Knicks needed to, to do. No, I, 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 I didn't have a problem with Did it. Did you hear Giannis's uh, post-game sound about it? Yeah, which I, I mean, I can't hear the word nuts. <laughs> to be honest, I thought he said stomach, and then you know, I, but I guess it was nuts because he apologized for it the next day. But uh, was it nuts? Here, let me play it. Mm -hmm. Was that bothering you? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm punching this nut next time. Was it nuts? I keep hearing stomach. That's what I heard the first time, but apparently it was nuts, and he even uh, you know fessed up to it. Oh, and can I can I point something out too? Um, and I don't know if you noticed this in the game. I mean, nobody really brought it up, but it was very shortly after that play by Hazonia, where you'll remember the this. elbow on, from to, to Vonley, the shoulder. The shoulder. Yeah, he yeah. he dunked it and got the end one, and he was doing a lot of posturing. And on like his second or third step, walking back, swaying his shoulders, he deliberately shouldered Vonley pretty hard. And like it was way after the play. So I took that as his, you know, kind of getting back at his own and what happened to him. And I thought that was going to put an end to it. What is the deal with that, though, Barry? Like, 
I feel maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like the Knicks get dunked on like that all the time, and the guy walks over us, and it's never a huge deal. We do it one time to Giannis, and it's 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 a huge sign of disrespect. It's there's a varying degree to be to the um, from like walking over somebody or staring down at them and slowing down your walk as you do it, you know, which is what Hazoni did. Good. It's about fucking time the Knicks were able to do something like that. If we could have our, a Nick do that every night of the week, I'd want them to do that every night of the goddamn week. Straddle everyone after you dunk. You know what I think the biggest sign of disrespect for Giannis was? That it was a Nick doing that. And even worse, probably that it was Mario Hazonia. Yeah, Hazonia, I mean, what a weird season he's having from the role that he's playing, from his performance to everything. I mean, you know, he had a, you know, a couple of games where he didn't play. Now he's finally in the starting lineup and he's playing like less minutes than ever. He's averaging under 20 minutes per game in all the games that he started. And in that game against the Bucks that like energized the whole team, yeah. a game that went to overtime, <laughs> he played 12 minutes. And those were his only two points, Barry. Right. That one right. dunk. He took two shots. I would say and poor, one was the dunk. I would say poor Mario, but uh, you know, there's enough Knicks on this team that are struggling. After that dunk though, you know, let's talk a little bit more about Knox. What did you think of his play? Did you think that was a breakout game? Because I know he put up a lot of points in that game and everyone was going crazy about it, but most of those points were him just doing exactly what some of the critics say about him, getting the ball like on the wing at the three-point line and just taking a shot. He was just hitting his shots that night. Yeah, well, he put up 12 shots. I mean, 12 three-pointers that night. Um, but, hey, he hit five of them. Um, everything around the basket, he was hitting most of those. He definitely had a better second half. Um, I watched that game the next day because I had something to do Saturday evening. I did my best not to hear what happened, but you know, obviously stuff leaks out, whether it's you know a, a Twitter message on your phone that popped up, even though I wasn't literally going on Twitter, or you're switching channels on the radio and you hear overtime win. So there's a couple of things I knew of. I knew I heard that Knox had a big game. Um, so I went into it with that. But then, like, he didn't really have a great first half. He was missing a lot of shots. And I was like, okay, at some point here, he's going to get on a roll. And then, sure enough, second half, he did. But, uh, no, he looked good. He looked a lot more comfortable, that's for sure. But I guess when your shots are falling, that's what it's going to do to you. And, um, you know, it carried over a little bit into the uh, Wizards game. And uh, hopefully it continues. Well, big star of that Milwaukee Bucks win. Huge win. 136-134 OT win. Emmanuel Moutier. Unbelievable. You know, the the, the week mean, before against the Pelicans, was it the Pelicans? He had his greatest NBA game, right? And then yeah. he probably tops it with this performance. Oh. 28 points, 7 assists. So not only was he scoring, he was dishing. Shot yeah, well, again, yeah. 10 of 18. For him to have his yeah. the two best games of his career in a span of 8 days, Barry. Incredible. Incredible. And like you said, he's doing, he was doing everything well, you know, four or five from deep. And one of those three pointers tied the game at 124. Yeah, he was, I mean, unbelievable. Just, you know, leaning into shots and letting them fall and clutch you know, down the stretch around the right. Rim. Clutch, smooth like silk. Is this like a fleeting thing that we're seeing from Moutier or is this something that's going to stick? What do you think? And, and obviously not stick like the type of game he had, 28 points, 4, 5, and 3, 7, you know, seven assists like that Bucks game. But I mean, just the general positive um, play and impact that he's been having on this team. I don't know if it's going to stick, Barry. I mean, you could just look at the next game against the Wizards. 
he didn't have a great game. Right at one point, he was like one for eight from the field. I know he came on late against the Wizards, but one of the things I've noticed from all of our point guards, Frank obviously was a DNP in that Bucks game and the Wizards game. We'll talk about that later too. Um, each of these guys has had their DNPs. Um, each of them have had their moments in the sun. Moutier's had some good games of late. Burks had some great games. Frank had those two games when he first was starting as the point guard. Um, Dotson has had his DNPs. We've seen nice stretches from some of these guys, and Dotson is in one of the, I'd say one of the longer stretches for any of the guards outside of Hardaway of good play right now. But none of oh, them... His numbers are off the unbelievable. charts. Unbelievable. He's been his shooting efficiency. so good. But between Moutier, Burke, and Nilakina, none of them have shown any consistency. They have a few good games, and then they disappear for a while. Burke, before he got injured, what what were his numbers over the past four games? Do you have, so, do you have that? Yeah, of course I have that, because he, you know, after he made that comment, you know, I guess it was like 10 games ago, where he was going to, uh, you know, go back to his original style, and he had four great games. Um, his next four games were not so great. So, so his last four games, obviously not counting the Wizards, because he had a DMP, and then um, you know, because of the injury and in the Bucks game, he played for under a minute. So the four games before that, he's been averaging 20 minutes a game. He's been shooting 19% from the field. 19%? 19%, yeah. And this is your most efficient scorer last year, you know, at least for the, the time that he was with the Knicks. And, this, and that's the time of the season where Fizdale is choosing to, to bench Frank, <laughs> right? Right. And Burke is as cold as he's ever been. And what what were Frank's four games? Not much better. They were awful. He's so you know uh, what I say that that Burke was you know nineteen percent from the field. Milikin is eighteen percent from the field. You Both know, pretty pretty um, brutal. Pretty brutal. And 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 you know his last four games, he too didn't play that Wizards game, Bucks game like Burke. And the four games before that, he's only been averaging fourteen minutes a game. I mean, those minutes have to come up. I mean, you're talking about your lottery pick that didn't even get the playing time he deserved last year. And this year you're preaching player development. And, you know, this this has been a long stretch where he's just not getting the time. So let's talk about these Frank DNPs. Frank didn't play in the Bucks win right. or the Wizards loss, right? So what is the reasoning behind that? Do you think Fizdale is just giving Frank a breather because he's been ice cold, has been out of it? Do you think any of these trade rumors are true? Or... Do we think that Frank is just not fitting into the system that Fisdale wants to play? None of the above. Give us your theory. <laughs> My theory is this. Uh, Fisdale is a guy that has these patterns, right, that we've seen. He sticks with a few guys for a stretch of games. He sticks with a few rotations for a stretch of games. He gives guys DMPs for stretches of games. It's what he does. He throws somebody in the starting lineup for a few stretches of games. You know, Dotson, it's not like Dotson was having this, you know, the, these horrible games or these, um, you know, showcasing really bad play that led to those four DMPs. He was playing decent, you know, and there were some games where he was playing outstanding. And yet he still had those four DMPs by coach's decision. So those are gone, you know, because after that, you know, Dotson played in four games. And, you know, we'll get into that as, you know, again, how well he's been playing. But... I guess it's Nilakina's turn to ride the pine a little bit. And whether Fizdale's doing that to get more minutes for other guys that he's looking at, 
and to you know increase their development or it's to get them into their own heads to just you know like you said take a breather you know or step back a little bit um, focus on what they need to focus on off the court um, and in practice and be ready for when they do go back in the game you know when you sit on the bench and you watch a full 48 minutes per game you're seeing a lot of things from every angle that you're not going to you know always see um, you know when you're playing half of the game so I think that has a lot to do with what he's doing um, it can't continue um, I'll tell you that because it's just unfair to everyone <laughs> it's unfair to the Knicks fans it's unfair to Frank and it just doesn't make sense from any standpoint unless he was going to be traded which um, you know you can't you can't uh, you can't write him off this quick here's what makes me nervous Barry I'm a huge Frank guy you know that Everyone knows that. Everybody knows that. I've stated he's my favorite Nick. Which maybe that was his downfall. <sighs> what if Fizdale just... I mean, Moutier and Burke... Obviously, we mentioned with Burke has not been playing well. Moutier has had a, a, a few good games of late. But neither of them are great, Right. But they do both play this kind of style that Fizdale wants to employ, right? And Frank is never, when he's out there, Frank is never pushing the ball up the court. In fact, I'm nervous about Frank Barry. I don't even, I can't even put into words I'm so nervous about Frank. I know. I, I think that you know. Frank doesn't believe in himself anywhere close to what I believe in him, you know? And when he's playing offense, I think maybe he's frustrating Fizdale because he is so not aggressive. Have you noticed when the team is when when the team is fast breaking and he's running up the court alongside someone, he has an opportunity to lead the way and get to the basket for the pass, but he sort of holds back. Yeah, you you, you know you remember when you used to play uh, Super Mario Brothers and you'd hold down the B button and you would get that burst of speed. We see that burst of speed from Trey Burke, from Emmanuel Moutier. It's like Frank Nilakina's got no B button. They want the ball, so they, they see an opening on a fast break, and they start heading to the basket to get the pass. Frank holds back. Frank reminds yeah. me, Barry, of when I play pickup basketball, and maybe I blow a couple layups or haven't hit a shot the whole game. Everyone's breaking down the court. And I sort of hold back because I'm like, ah, don't pass it to me. I'm just going to blow another fucking layup. <laughs> and that's what I feel Frank is doing out there. And that scares well, the shit out of you, me. Yeah, you, you can't play like that. That's for sure. He's been so timid of late on the offensive end, never defensively. And I know he has it in him because he does it all on the defensive side of things. But I'm worried that Fizdale sees this in Frank and is has given up. That he's given up. Right. I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing that we're talking about. Is it something that you can teach? Or, Barry, and these are two total opposite ends of the spectrum. Because I either think Fizdale has given up on Frank. He doesn't fit in his system. Or they know they have Frank locked into a rookie deal. And they don't have to be rushed into a decision on him. But, dude, but they have, like, less than two weeks right now to figure out what to do with Trier. They need to figure out what they're going to pay him. I believe his 45 days in the NBA are up, like, December around December 15th. And then, obviously, Moutier is going to be a restricted free agent after this season. Trey Burke's going to be a free agent. They have these three guys that they need to figure out who they are. Is it possible they're just 
giving those guys some more minutes because they have all these guards they're trying to develop. And they're trying to get those guards some more minutes so they can decide what to do. Especially with Trier, because he's sort of... I'd say he's gotten a big benefit of Frank sitting, right? Like, when even when Burke was out against the Wizards, the backup point guard was Alonzo Trier. Not Frank. That would have been obviously a perfect opportunity for Frank to to get back off the bench in that game. Didn't. They stuck Trier in. He struggled. 15 minutes, 0 for 4, 2 points against the Wizards. I'm assuming that was his worst game of the season, right? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's got to be up there. Dude, so so the day that we're releasing this show, it's going to be December 5th. That's 10 days away from having to either sign Trier to a deal. That's a hard decision to make. Is it? What do you pay? I mean, you're talking about it's a hard decision to to come up with the um, specifics of the deal because it's a no brainer. You got to sign this kid. You got to sign it, but you can't sign him to a crip. You can't. He's like he's one of the few shining lights that this Knicks team has had this whole season. He is so like far and above like the track that these rookies and sophomore players are on right now. He's so far ahead of them, um, you know, in like every in just about every department. You got to lock him up. Um, because, you know, there's no telling where he's going to be, you know, going forward in the NBA. Oh, there's no telling, but it's how, how, how much you lock him up for, how much money, how many years? Like, well, what are we talking about here? I mean, we've seen glimpses of greatness from him. Dude, he, he, he scores yeah. 25, the next night he scores 10, then he scores 24, and then he scores 8, and then he scores 2. I mean... Yeah, I mean, hopefully they could get him on the cheap. You got you know, you got to TFS try to get him as low as low as you can, you know? It's going to be an interesting uh, 10 days while they figure that out. Yeah. What do you think about that theory, though? About why Nilekina is not getting minutes? Yeah. Uh, about just figuring out what these other guys now are we both Now, we both fit? threw out a couple of theories there. Tell, tell me right now, like, which one is it? Because you gave a couple, I gave a couple. Gun to your head. What's going on with Frank? You know, I think Fizdale probably went into this season thinking that Frank was going to be the number one or the number two point guard on this team. And he just hasn't seen Frank step up and take that point guard role. Not even take the point guard role, just show that he's going to be capable of being a New York point guard. And, you know, we've tried him, we, we've seen him trot it out there in the three slot, kind of just hanging out in the corner, you know, watching the plays, you know, uh, pursue. And he hasn't really been influencing it from there either. You know, he hasn't had any of these breakout games. You know, you mentioned two great games he had early in the season. Were they great or were they great for him? They were great for him. Because, exactly. And they were mediocre for anybody else. So, you know, where's his spotlight been this season? It hasn't come yet. And I don't think Fisdale knows where to stick him to get that out of him. Now, of course, you can argue, dude, he's 20. And Moutier is 23. Right, 22 or 23. Burke, we know, is like 26. These guys have had much bigger moments this season. But do we give up on Frank at 20? These guys are finally... Moutier, after being in the league for... Since Porzingis has been in the league, has finally shown, you know, like two or three great games. And we're going to we're gonna just give up on Frank because of that? Like I said, I'm concerned they're giving up on Frank. Not because... I know he's going to be great and we're going to miss out on him, but because we're not giving him the chance that we're giving some of these other guys. Look, they're, they're not giving up on Frank. I, I don't believe that they are, you know, and you can laugh at me because he hasn't played 
at all the last two games. But look, they didn't play Dotson the last four games. Did they play up on him? I mean, did they give up on him after that? No, he's been averaging over 25 minutes a game the last four games after sitting four games. Yeah, but did... did you know, he's been getting significant minutes. Did trade rumors, so the same did can trade be said rumors involving John Wall start circulating oh, while Dotson was on the bench? All of a sudden, we're all, there are all these, all these articles right when Franks goes to the bench are all coming out about Orlando being interested, the Grizzlies being interested, Minnesota being interested, Phoenix being interested. Scouts being at the games to watch Frank sit on the bench. <laughs> All this stuff is coming to a head, Barry. Is it going to result in something or was it nothing? Most of this trade shit is nothing. Usually. Whether it's the talks. Of, well, I'm talking about the stuff that's been popping up lately. You know, like about Nilakina. I'm sure that's nothing. You know, about Dotson. Because he's been playing really well the last few games. They're bringing up his name. John Wall. Going, coming to the Knicks. Come on, this is all, it's all just, it's all just fodder. It's another ridiculous Mark Berman article. Some say the Knicks are stockpiling their young assets to acquire John Wall. That would be, I, I, I would be really, really upset if they made a move for John Wall. If this team made a move for John Wall. Even as, as bad as the point guards are and their point guard situation is, you you don't want to bring John Wall to this team. All the nonsense that's been circulating around him the past year or two. You really want to bring that to the Knicks? You really want to sign a guy like that for the type of money that he's making at this point in his career and then stifle yourself in the biggest summer that the Knicks are looking at and any teams are looking at in the longest time? It's a crazy... It would be the craziest thing. And it would be such a, a, a backwards move which, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not like the Knicks haven't made backwards moves um, in the history of the organization. But, I mean, we've all been talking about this different feeling we have, you know, that we're holding this, uh, this management to a different set of standards. That's why I think there's nothing to that article. Right. Management. Berman, Berman wrote that management article? Management would have been done on an about face from just a couple months ago, saying they, weren't good, they were going to build the right way, weren't going to give up prospects and picks. For a win now type player, and what twenty two, twenty three, twenty four games in, they're giving up on that. I don't mind, like you know, never say never that type of thing. But I mean, this is not that. This is not that move that you even consider. And even as people are still talking about the possibility of Durant, I saw something on ESPN like a week ago where the odds of the Knicks getting Durant were like thirty percent or something crazy like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's still, you know. But they're gonna saying Lakers. They're gonna essentially Clippers, just be like, "Fuck it, we're just gonna we're just gonna trade everyone we got for Wall." Fuck free agency. <laughs> fuck our prospects. <laughs> Screw the twenty twenty draft. Send Nilakina. Send Dotson. A couple picks. We're just gonna give it all up for John Wall. That article by Berman is nuts. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. Some are saying. Speaking of Berman, Barry, we actually have someone who wants to come on our show. Yeah, I never heard of this, Barry. A, a, a writer scout. Oh, sure. You've heard of that? A writer scout. Yeah, yeah, sure. They're all over the place. <laughs> this is, he he wants they, to be he, he wants to out. be anonymous. Yeah. He's an anonymous writer scout who would like to give his review of Mark Berman to us. Oh, you think that'd be okay. cool? Or yeah, absolutely. I'd love to hear that. Yeah. All right, let's get him on. Let's get him on the line. 
Anonymous Writer Scout. You asked us to to keep your, you anonymous, so we have disguised your voice. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I've got an, I'm a writer scout and scouting writers for a long, long time. What should we call you, Writer Scout? Uh, you call me Shish Kebab, because I'm about to skewer Mark Berman. How does that sound? So what does a Writer Scout do exactly? I basically read a lot of articles from a lot of different writers. And, uh, you know, sometimes newspapers, online media, they're looking for new talent. I scout them for them, tell them who's good, who's hot, who's not. I'll tell you who's not hot right now. You want to know who's not hot? Aaron Craig. Mark Berman. Let's talk about Mark Berman. I've been scouting him for a few weeks now. He's slow. He's lazy. He's weak. He's softer than Raymond Felton. Right? He's lazy. He's lazier than, uh, lazier than Phil Jackson when he was sleeping through Donovan Mitchell's workout. Or Dennis Smith Jr.'s, whoever, whoever's workout that was when Phil Jackson was sleeping, he's lazier than that. Oof. That's pretty scathing review, Barry. Yes. He's got no sources. He's got more misses than John Starks had in Game 7 against the Rockets. Why you gotta bring that up? Listen, listen I'm not here to make friends. I'm not here to, to get on anyone's good side. I'm just telling you guys the way it is. Mark Berman is a hack. I actually been talking to my other writer scouts. Some rumors out there, some think that the New York Post is stockpiling their writers right now. They're looking to make a move. That's right, they're looking to move Mark Berman. Looking to move Mark Berman, a couple interns, a couple future interns, and two more young aspiring writers are looking to get Chris Eisman for the Bergen record. You think they could get that much for him? A couple interns? All right, you know what, Barry? This is going nowhere. Thank you, Shish Kebab. Thank you, anonymous writer scout. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Barry Craig. Thanks for having me. It's a hard mix life. It really is. <sighs> so Barry, in addition to Moutier playing well lately, Alonzo Truer playing well. Two guys who potentially, if we sign, it's going to throw a little hitch into our free agency plans this summer. Another guy who's a free agent, who's on a one-year deal, has been playing great of late, Noah Vonley. If I would have told you before the season started, after we picked up Vonley, that he, number one, he'd be averaging over 25 minutes a game. Number two, he'd be averaging 8.4 points per game, 8.1 rebounds per game, one block per game, shooting 45.5% from three and 50% from the field. What would you have said? I would have said I could believe that. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. <laughs> you know what? I just want to fuck up your game like you like to fuck up mine during the show. <laughs> I mean, this guy has been such a bright surprise is that the turn is that the uh... oh man such a is that the phrase such a bright surprise no that's definitely not the phrase which am i uh pleasant surprise pleasant surprise is that the one yes yeah, that's, that's about good such a pleasant surprise yeah man he's had five double digit scoring games over the past eight he said three double doubles in the past eight games Fizdale's called him his most complete player. Most complete player. I don't know if this is just me always being way too optimistic and overblowing everyone, but could Noah Vonley be like our, sort of our different version of Draymond Green on this team? You know, he does a little bit of everything. The only thing he doesn't do is, like, he's not going to run point for you. He can bring the ball up. I do love when he brings the ball up. Yes. I mean, that's something I, I love when he's on the floor, that he's another body that can push the fast break if he brings down the rebound and it catches the other team off guard because he right. is quick with the ball. I say Draymond Green because Vonley, you know, he's strong. 
He rebounds the ball. He's scoring. And now he's recently added this three-point shot that he's been like a, he's been a fucking sniper out there. Yeah, I mean, the Knicks can be a really good three-point shooting team. You know, between Bonley now and Trier and Hardaway, they've got a Dotson. You know, they've got consistent three-point shooters now on this team that they can really put up those numbers. He's, now, he's shooting 45% from three. Yeah, yeah, he's been dropping it down. And then they're leaving him open, you know, because it's usually one of the bigs that's covering him, and they leave him out there. They don't expect it from him. You know, soon they're going to catch on. They're going to cover him on the perimeter a little bit. And, and you know something I've noticed that, that's also been bothering me a little bit, um, and it has to do with Cantor, and it has to do with the Knicks' three-point shooting, is that when Cantor gets the ball down low and he starts backing in his man, he does, I will give it to him that he does look for the guy cutting through the lane and he'll sometimes make that pass, but it seems like he never passes out to the open guy standing behind the arc. And if there's so many times that a guy's wide open, whether it is Trier, you know, or I mean, he's not usually on the floor that much with Dotson, um, but there, but there is an open man out there, and it's like he doesn't pass the ball back out there. It's like he gets it in his mind that he's going to take that shot. You know, when he's down in the post, he's got to start pushing it out more and letting those guys pop those open threes. Did I put you to sleep with that? How does one? that should feel, Barry, when you say something? <laughs> I don't respond. It's not good, right? No. <laughs> I get no validation. I don't even get, you know, even if it was like an argument against what I said, I would take that. At least it's a little bit of interaction. I know how you feel now. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Listen, I, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know what to say after that. <laughs> I agree. Sure. It's just something I've been thinking about watching the last few games, and I wanted to just throw it out there. Listen, there's a lot that Cantor can improve on. Of course. So Vonley joins Trier and Moutier as three guys who were signed short-term, if that. Trier's not even signed short-term. Very short-term. Who, if the Knicks decide to sign, is going to eat into some of their cap space, Barry. How do you feel about that? Do you think if you have to pick one of those three, let's say the Knicks can only keep one of those three based on their current play, let's each give our choice to keep which one of those three? Between Vonley, Moutier, Moutier, and Trier. If you had to just pick one right now to be on the roster next year. Trier. Trier. We, we ditch Vonley and Moutier. You've seen enough out of Trier. Yes. Yeah, I've seen enough out of Trier. All right, now pick two. That, now pick two of the three. Okay, so now I'm between Vonley and Moutier. I was never high on Moutier, and I, I guess I, you know, I guess I owe an apology for saying I, I haven't been high on Moutier. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry I haven't been high. I think I said this last time. He's exceeded my expectations, so he's playing great. Um, but then again, Noah Vonley's been exceeding what I thought he would be. Um, I think that Vonley can offer me more than Moutier. I think Moutier is a dime a dozen. I think you could find, you know, 20, 30, 40 Moutiers out there um, where Vonley is doing things right now for this team that, you know, there's not a lot of guys like him that, that, that are doing it, you know, that, that you can get for that price, you know, if he, if he stays at that price. So I, I would keep Vonley and Trier 
And uh, just as I would have at the beginning of this season, I would let Moutier walk. Now, I'm happy with what Moutier is doing. Don't, don't get me wrong. But out of those guys, that's how I feel. That's what I see. Where you stand, if you had to pick one of those three. Well, I mean, Moutier, I don't think we've seen enough yet. So we got to give him the rest of the season. If he continues his play, if he plays like he has over the past eight to ten days. Ah, then he's a keeper. Then he's a keeper. Right, but Vonley has given us way more great performances this season. Same with Trier. Vonley's been ultra consistent with what he's been giving you. Yeah, and he gives you all these numbers in very limited minutes. He, he'll also be a nice um, pairing with KP up in the front court. If KP ever comes the fuck back. Yeah, how come we're not hearing anything? I don't know. I just feel like one day we're going to see some fucking tweet from Woj saying KP's coming back tomorrow. They're going to hear like uh, murmurs of like in practice he's doing five on five. Yeah, yeah. Or that's what you'll three get. Threes or... That's what you'll get. But we're in December, Barry. The original timetable, people were talking by, like, Christmas. I'm still holding to that. Shouldn't we be getting a little bit of an update by now, for real? We are way past our update. The last update we had was Chris Stapps hasn't progressed at all, hasn't done any sprinting, (laughs) and then he posted a photo of him sprinting. I was like, fuck you, I've been sprinting. Yeah. Well, that's not really a real update. We haven't heard anything in, in months. Now, do you think, let's say KP is healthy let's say the doctors give the thumbs up to the knicks he's ready to go um do you think that the knicks hold him back you know they don't announce to the uh to the media they don't announce to anybody else that he is ready to go they keep that quiet even though he is ready to go but they hold him back either a because they want more time to develop more of these guys without kp in the lineup or b they really like the idea of stacking up these losses to put themselves in a better position come the draft time? No. Or do you think there's no way they would do there's that? There's no as soon way. As, he's ready to, as soon as he gets the green light, they're going to put him back out there on the court. I know all these fans want us to keep KP out to get as good of a draft pick as possible, but that goes against everything we've been saying the whole season. It goes against everything Mills and Perry have been saying. And Fizdale. They're not tanking. Why would they keep... Porzingis out if everyone says he's ready to go. Porzingis is dying to play basketball again. He sent an Instagram message a couple months ago how much he misses being out there. He goes to all the home games. He's at all the practices. I think he's going to fucking stand around while he's totally healthy and just sit out half a season and be happy about that in a contract year for him. For a team that isn't tanking at all, Barry. They're not tanking. Fizz is trying to win games. He's trying to develop culture. There's no shot in hell they keep Porzingis out if he's fully healthy and ready to go. You can't think they do that. Those Nick fan tankers, they were so happy with that Wizards game. They felt it was the perfect game. They felt like they they showed the heart. They showed the heart, you know, the fight to climb back and just fell short and got the L. They loved it. Ah, listen, I love losses too. <laughs> I want to be in as good a draft position as possible. But I'm not going to scream when we win. I'm not going to get angry when we win games. You don't tank 24, 25 games into the season. Shut that down right now. If we were a tanking team, we would be playing Knox in the starting lineup every single night. 
Frank would be our starting point guard. Robinson would be our center. We got to go, Barry. But I will say this before we go. Love Mitchell Robinson. You know Mitchell Robinson's fouled out of three of the last six games? Mitchell Robinson, he's so, like, excited out there. He's like a ball of energy. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> he just After these plays where he gets called, for, you know, every time he gets called for the foul, he never believes he was fouled anybody. No, he's talking to himself. He's swaying back and forth. <laughs> the, the opposing players are, like, rolling their eyes at him. He had that, he had that block in the Wizards game against Marcus Morris, right? Is that Marcus or Markeith yeah. on that team? Marcus. The Morris twin on the Wizards. <laughs> Mar- is it Markeith or Marcus? I can't keep saying. Markeith. Markeith. Markeith got past Mitchell at the three-point line. Thought he had him for a dunk. <laughs> Robinson gets up there with that left hand. Swats it away. Hard. Running down the court on the other end. Calling for the alley-oop. The bucket went in, but we got called for the goaltending, right? Fizdale yeah. went nuts, but dude, that play was like got me so excited. No, he's. A, I mean, he's a guy that you know we loved looking at all that footage of him, you know, um, pre-draft, and he's got all this potential, man. When he's out there, he's, I cannot turn away from the TV for a second. He's eighth in the league in blocks, and he's playing only seventeen minutes a game. Everybody else that's like in that top ten is playing like anywhere from like 25 to 35 minutes a game, you know? It's amazing what he's doing out there. Played 14 minutes against the Wizards, had three blocks. Yeah, it's it's really it's really cool to watch. I mean, this is a guy that that's that's just going to climb up that ladder and his game is just going to get better and better and better. And I swear not one game goes by that he plays in where you cannot visibly tell that someone from the other team is annoyed with him. <laughs> That's my favorite part. I've always wanted a Nick that didn't give a shit and got under people's skin. He's that guy. Savage. There's that music, Barry. Yeah, wait, wait, wait till he gets wait till he gets a few years under his belt, man. And he really starts getting comfortable in his own skin and in the NBA and he's faced these guys a bunch of times. He's just gonna start talking more. That's right. It's not gonna go the other direction. Just wait till Barry gets comfortable with himself, guys. He's gonna start talking more. Be a lot fewer of these moments of silence, right, Barry? Yeah, is that what the is that what the scouts are saying about me? That's what they're saying. The podcast scouts saying I'm soft, I'm weak. They're pretty much calling you a pussy, and, Barry. So, and I know there's plenty of examples out there, but while we're just talking about this scout and about Knox and about how weak he is, can we just point out one more time? I know it's been done before that you know it's his rookie season. That there's players out there like Giannis that we just saw the other night. That in his rookie season, he averaged 6.8 points per game. And he played 77 games. It's not like he wasn't playing. He averaged almost 25 minutes a game that year. And he averaged less than 7 points a game. He shot 41% from the field. Knox at this point is averaging 8.6 points per game. More than Giannis was. Get angry, Barry. So can we settle down? Throw that notebook against the bathroom door. Come on! (laughs) Give me a break! Email us. It's a hardnickslife at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at hardnickslife. All right, give him the fucking phone number. Call us. <laughs> 516-33. That sound too desperate? Call us, please. <laughs> yes. 516-33-MESH-1. We'll be at this Sunday's game, right, Barry? Yep, we'll be a Sunday night's game versus Charlotte. 
Although, you know, the Knicks got two other games before that. Well, Thursday night, we got Boston in Boston. Mm, that's a win. Easy win. What's after that? Yeah, right. Boston's going to kick our ass. They're pissed about that loss. They hate that they lost to the Knicks. <laughs> Everyone hates that they lose to the Knicks. That's absolutely true. Um, and then we got Brooklyn Saturday night. That's always fun. And then Sunday night against Charlotte. Both of those games are at the Garden. All right, Barry. You sure you want to take me and not the wife? Yeah, Craig. Are you positive? Of course. And this isn't because you guys couldn't find a babysitter or something. I'm definitely, like, I was definitely the first choice. But actually, you know what? I don't want to know. Don't tell me. <laughs> Listen, guys, until next time. It's a hard Nick's life. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.